On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we roam the beauty of the Ruapehu district. Enjoy some family frolics in Oakune and military history in Waiuru. Further afield, let's have a look at Luca. And from Italy to France, take a taster with Leon. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters for a very fresh edition. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Great to be with you, Andrew, for another weekly wander. Indeed. Let us start our wanderings through the Ruapehu district in the centre of the North Island. And at the southern gateway is Waiuru, the Army Museum is extremely engaging. Tremendously so. I have been quite the recidivist in passing by this museum on State Highway 1 thinking, oh, I'll put that on the check it out one day list. Isn't that amazing how many times we do that? We'll go, oh, you will get to it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, and yeah. then it's either closed or we're too old or something happens. Exactly. There's yeah. a fire, it burns down. No, or, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is so worth the stop, uh, the Army Museum. So you start off passing through the Punamu Memorial War Wall, tears on Greenstone, which happens to be the largest jade structure in the Southern Hemisphere. And that's a big call. Very big call, very big wall. Commemorating <laughs> all Kiwis lost in conflict, there is this veil of water that descends down the Greenstone face of the wall as the names of the fallen are continuously read. That is poignant. Mm. And every army recruit who graduates from training at Waiuru swears their loyalty to the king, formerly the queen, in front of this memorial. Indeed. The exhibits, dioramas and iconic military vehicles, they're just spectacular to check out. And it's a walk through every theatre of conflict Kiwis have been engaged in, starting with the Boer War. They have been, yeah. With the Boer War, where the history parade begins... Uh, you will find Gus the horse. Gus. I loved Gus. Oh. And Gus represents all 8,000 horses sent over to South Africa because Gus was the only one who came back home. We sent 8,000 horses mm, to, to South Africa. Africa. I know. Wow. Uh, the personal exhibits are really cool. Things like the uneaten box of chocolates Queen Victoria sent to every Kiwi soldier as a New Year's gift. It's very generous of her, wasn't it? Ungrateful buggers. <laughs> From the red coats of the Imperial forces to the blue berets of our peacekeepers, it really is a comprehensive exposition of our military story. And it culminates in the glorious metal repository, Bling Bling Central. Absolutely. Now, the children's space is superb, primed with interactive features if you're travelling with the kids in tow. Yeah, definitely. I also uh, did a guided tour through the museum. I had a fantastic young guide called Daniel who looked like Harry Potter. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Love he, it. He was like the ultimate military history geek. And he just gobsmacked me with all sorts of interesting anecdotes, particularly his stories about the ghosts who supposedly lurk inside the museum. Really? Yeah. Quite a few of them. Well, you name it, apparently it happens at the Waiuru Army Museum, um, particularly when they are shifting exhibits around. 
So if they're like refreshing a space and moving a few bits and bobs, all sorts of strange things happen apparently. And Daniel said that he has heard himself the sound of marching boots on the Bailey Bridge within the museum and even the sound of soldiers whistling. Isn't that amazing? It'll be right up your alley. You're into a bit of spooky. I wanted to stay the night. And apparently in the barracks at Waiuru, most young soldiers there experience all sorts of weird stuff. That's what Daniel said, and he looked like a very trustworthy individual. Erstwhile. Yes. Indeed. (laughs) It's worth checking out just for the uh, ghosty experience. Totally. Now, the Tangy Wai Memorial is just five minutes away, the site of New Zealand's biggest railway tragedy, and this was Mm. a big one. It certainly was. Why is it that the scenes of tragedy are so often situated in sites of such overwhelming beauty? Now, New Zealand legend has it that uh, one of the royals, well, was told not to do something that was tapu, and they did, and that was the cause of the tragedy. Wow. Mm. I remember my grandmother used to say when I was young that whenever the Queen came to New Zealand, bad things happened. Yeah, well, that was Christmas Eve, 1953. <clears throat> and she was in town, yeah. well, in the country at least, yeah. Indeed. The memorial site uh, for Tangiwai is magnificent. It's lovingly maintained, maintained by all sorts of service groups like the Lions. And um, the short walk to the lookout over the Whangaehu River is quite chilling because you can see the remains of the old Tangiwai Railway Bridge that Ooh. collapsed as a result of that lahar flow right alongside its replacement today. So, like, a train will whiz by right next to... The original Tingy Way. Where it all went yeah. wrong, mm. yeah. The sense of history is raw. i tell you what, though, it is the stories of battered teddy bears being washed up from the river. That really does sort of personify the full wrench of human tragedy. I know that definitely gripped the country, you know, in 1953. Yeah. It was a pretty big event. Yes. Now, heading north, there are surprise finds in Raitihi, like the Dinosaur House. Oh, I love the Dinosaur House. And <laughs> it's one of those sort of small-town quirky museums that you really do need to check out. It's quite underrated. In fact, you would probably say it's under the radar because, you know, it doesn't have a massive marketing budget. But it is such a cool Experience Once again, if you've got kids in tow with you, it would be parental neglect not to take them to the dinosaur house. Now, it is headed up by Ian and Sarah Moore. They are self-professed dinosaur obsessives, and your drawer will drop like a T-Rex at the trove of exhibits they've got. They've got dinosaur skeletons, animatronics, full-size reconstructions. Wow. Um, their T-Rex and their Spinosaurus are best in show. And then there's all of this uh, movie memorabilia, a huge stash of stuff like the suit Sam Neill wore in Jurassic Park. The cities are okay, but when you're trekking around little country towns in New Zealand, yeah, if you've got the kids with you, sometimes you're thinking, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to be bored out of their minds? Note down things like the dinosaur house. Uh, This will make a great feature for the kids. Also, the carrot park (laughs) in Awakune. Yes. I actually spent a couple of leisurely nights in Awakune, which is a very perky mountain town. It is. Um, so this is, what, about 45 minutes north of Waiuru yes. in the Ruapehu district. The beloved Big Carrot landmark now has a supporting cast of vegetable friends scattered across Carrot Park, 
which is like a playground, an, an adventure playground, because it's been kitted out with an augmented reality game that will titillate your kids. Okay, so think Pokemon Go and you'll get the idea. Download instructions uh, are displayed in the park. So you can download those and off you go. Yay, yay. All right, stay with us. We get outdoorsy in Ruapehu just ahead. Back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, as we romp around Ruapehu from Awakuni, one of New Zealand's great half day bike roads, is a signature experience. The old coach road. <laughs> it's such a brilliantly scenic bike ride on the old coach road. So, first of all, you need to hook up with TCB. So, these guys are like the, the leading adventure rental specialists in Awakuni. And I uh, got kitted out with a top-of-the-line e-bike. E-bike. Uh, yes. Right, go yes. on, move on. Yes. <laughs> and uh, James from TCB actually joined me on the ride. It's a 15-kilometre thrill ride connecting Horopito to Owakuni. On an e-bike. Yes. It's a grade two trail, so it's not too taxing. <laughs> On an e-bike. Exactly. But it's highly recommended that you start from Horopito, uh, that end, and for a sort of more downhill ride. Yes. Even though you're on an e-bike. <laughs> and TCB will happily organise the quick transfer. Yes, exactly. A lot, a lot of effort that's going into here. Oh, it's an it's an indulgent way to do it. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about 20 minutes from Uwake. So uh, on the old coach road, yes. our ancestors would be appalled. They would actually. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> modernity's about comfort, isn't it? Really. Let's face it. We like our comforts. So it's about 20 minutes north from Awakune to reach Horopito. Now, if the name Horopito is familiar to you, it's probably because of a particular movie, Goodbye Pork Pie. Ah. So what you see when you arrive at Horopito is the rather traffic-stopping site of Smash Palace Car Wreckers. Well, Smash Palace was another New Zealand movie. Yes, that's true. Mm. Um, Bruno Lawrence. Indeed. So Horopito Motor Wreckers today is the largest vintage car dismantling operation in Australasia. Really? <laughs> yeah. So what you see is like this massive spectacle of rustic beauty, all these old cars just piled up like mountains. Wow. So that's where the cycle trail begins. And as the name would suggest, it has repurposed an evocative old pack track, the old coach road, and parts of it have got like cobblestones around the foothills of Mount Ruapehu and then some through uh, National Park Forest. But I tell you what, it's the Victorian engineering that is the highlight, the spooky tunnels, and then these two Herculean-sized railway viaducts. They are the runaway highlight. Now, Mount Ruapehu, wasn't that the setting for Under the Mountain, Morris G? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, the two kids and Mr Wilberforce. Oh, you're such a literary genius, Andrew. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, yes, you can ride across the viaducts on your e-bike. Yes. Including the longest viaduct in the Southern Hemisphere, which is nearly 300 metres long, 45 metres above the river. So that's about as wide as a rugby field above the river. And nearly three rugby fields long. Can we slip Christmas in there somewhere? <laughs> I'm sure we can. Uh, but yeah, the, the big daddy is the old Harpu Fenua Viaduct. It's good to go. Previously used by the Whaleways. Now it's 
open to you, whether you want to walk across it or bike across it. On an e-bike. Or e-bike across it. It is a colossal and curved structure. I dare you to look down between the sleepers as you do it. Oh. Are there people sleeping on it? (laughs) You'll also encounter the fatally rusted Taunui viaduct. You don't want to go across this one. No. (laughs) But it does make a very striking backdrop. So you can just, you know, pose there with it behind you, and it's like mm-hmm. Victoriana Fantasia. Another great story of posing for an Instagram photo and dying. Yeah, pretty much. So, yes, I would have to say the thing I loved the most about the old coach road is it's movie set good looks, and it's just drenched in pioneering history. Now, the Tongariro Alpine Crossing has been busy over summer with thousands of internationals flocking back to do this Alpine day walk. Yeah, it's big on the bucket list for a lot of internationals coming to New Zealand. Um, They've obviously got very good marketing (laughs) for the Tongariro Alpine Crossing. Tongariro is a name known around the world. That's true. Mm. So now that uh, the summer peak is behind us, if you do want to tick off this iconic walk before winter sets in, Now's a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, April, May, excellent. I love how beautifully raw and textured the landscape is. You know, you've got your volcanic peaks, you've got your barren rocky landscapes, emerald lakes, uh, the magnificence of the colours and the likes of Red Crater. Just like <laughs> it's self explanatory why it's named that because it looks like something out of Mars. Lovely. Mm. Now, you don't need to be an accustomed alpine hiker for these things. I mean, Michael's been there on his e-bike. Thank you. No experience required. You don't have to be a mountain goat, but a reasonable level of fitness is required and some decent clothing and footwear, not the jandals. Not the jandals, people. Sadly, some people still do it in jandals. (laughs) Or their crocs. Oh, if you pump, if you pump for a guided hike, I tell you what, Adrift Tongariro Guiding. They are the go-to. They will kit you out with suitable clothing and footwear. Um, They'll give you an energy-loaded lunch, snacks galore, and they'll give you return transfers from Whakapapa and National Park Villages. Plus, all of their storytelling expertise um, just enriches the experience. Now, let's... uh Discuss some short and sweet walks. Oh, I like those. Yes, that's why we're discussing them. Because Ruapeho bursts with so many options. Lake Rotupanamu is a local favourite. Yes. Now, this is just a 5K track, and it circles around a beautiful little lake wrapped in native forest and adored by twitchers and tree huggers or tree huggers and twitchers. (laughs) In fact, I think I'm probably both. I like to hug a tree and twitch. This is not going well, Michael. <laughs> As the name would suggest, it's named because it has a greenstone hue, mm. Rotopanamu. Yes. Um, and the lake fills a crater nestled into the western side of Mount Pihanga. Now, this mountain was formed and the lake was formed by a landslide 10,000 years ago. And what makes the forest so special is it's got this trove of primeval podocarps. And these trees are like true survivors because it wasn't caught by the pyroclastic flow zone of Topor's last eruption 1,800 years ago. The pyroclastic flow zone. You don't want to be in that. No, you don't want to be in the pyroclastic flow zone. No. Now, close to Chateau Tongariro, uh, don't try and book because it's closed, but there is a stack of nice little tracks like the Tawai Falls Walk. This is a cracker. It leads you through mountain tuatua and beach forest to a waterfall tumbling over the edge of an ancient lava flow. 
It's one of two waterfalls used in Lord of the Rings that mm. depicted Gollum fishing. Hence, the locals actually call uh, this waterfall Gollum's Pool. And there is another one that was also used in um, Lord of the Rings, closer to Oakune, Mangafero Falls, which is easy to get to. That is the other location that depicted Gollum looking for fish. Did he catch anything? Yes, I think he did. Hmm. Hmm. Just across the road from Taufai Falls on the volcanic plain, the fabulous Mounds Walk. Now, this is a close encounter with debris avalanches during Ruapehu's periods of volcanic activity. Yeah. You won't get hit by anything now, <laughs> theoretically. Well, chances are you won't. <laughs> but you can never be sure of what nature's up to. No. Um, but, yeah, that they are really mysteriously shaped mounds. They've, they've, they've got that sort of sense of something bewitching about them. Uh, but it was very much volcanic activity that uh, formed them thousands of years ago. The top of the track of the Mounds Walk is such a great spot for the full panorama of the National Park's volcanoes. They're all sort of lined up waiting to see the king, but they see you. And you can take your camera and take a beautiful photo. Time your walk for sundown or sunset across these mounds, and that just totally accentuates the experience. What do you mean sundown or sunset? Anyway, if you're up for a longer leg <laughs> Stretcher. Maybe I meant sunrise. The whole leg stretch things become quite comical in New Zealand after COVID-19 updates. That's true. Taranaki Falls is a two-hour return walk for even grander waterworks behind the chateau. Yes. So this is a 6K hike on Taranaki Falls, and it takes you through tussock, alpine shrublands, beach forest, and uh, then wraps around the lower slopes of Ruapehu. So you get really good views of Narahoe's symmetrical cone. Lots of native birdies. You'd love that. I, oh, I, I came across whiteheads mm-hmm. and grey warblers. I do like a warbler. Yeah. Uh, so they serenaded me all the way to the falls, which tumbled 20 metres over the edge of a large andesite lava flow, which erupted from Ruapehu about 15,000 years ago. Oh, how lovely. Yes. Now, get amongst it in Ruapehu. Just ahead, we indulge in some globe trotting. We're going to go overseas and start with Lyon in France. Back in a moment. This is Kiwi Tripsters. You're back with Mike and Andrew. Uh, let us indulge in some long haul destination spotlights. And let's look at a place that I was bashed over the head with in third form French. The French teacher was, for some reason, obsessed with this place called Lyon. Mm. It's a big French city, but much the bridesmaid to Paris. Yes. How does Lyon compare to Paris? The, the city stakes. What, how would you rate it? Well, I think Lyon is a really impressive destination, totally overshadowed by Paris. But whether you're into your history, your culture, your food, Lyon has got treats aplenty. They've even actually got their own little Eiffel Tower. Mm, which is a little weird. <laughs> which is very weird. And it overlooks the river, which the locals reckon was built to remind Paris that Lyon is happy to take over as the French capital anytime they like. There's a lot of wine went into that story, wasn't there? Yeah, very much. Now, it's a major gateway for river cruises, and the river cruise boom has bounced back into life post-COVID. Yes, we all know how insatiable the river cruise boom is. And, uh, oh, we do. <laughs> most Kiwis who find themselves in Leon 
are highly likely to be there because they're jumping on board a cruise. Well. Yeah. It is a major cruise port because two rivers converge in Leon, the Rhone and the Saône. But you'll definitely want to add a few nights in Leon pre or post cruise because there is so much to tuck into. Indeed. Now they've got a stash of Roman Empire relics, some of France's best because it is where the Romans established the capital of Gaul with the help of Asterix and Obelix. <laughs> well, before when you were talking about your teacher, I thought you were going to say you got bashed over the head with an Asterix book, but there you go. <laughs> this will bring Asterix to life for you. Uh, it really will. The place to go in Leon is Fourvier Hill, which overlooks the old city. And this place was a powerhouse for the Roman Empire. And Leon has spent megabucks excavating and restoring some of the best antiquities like the Odeon, the amphitheatre, the remains of the Roman Forum. They're all there. And the Basilica stands on top of the Roman Forum today. But the views up on Fourvier Hill are to die for. It is like the centre of the world. If you were a Roman, you've got the Alps to the east, you've got the curves of the, those rivers, and Leon unfurling like a fan across the landscape. That's very picturesque. Pop quiz, what was Asterix's pet's name? Can you remember? Boris. No. Oh. Dogmatics. <laughs> <laughs> Architecturally, it's a multi-layered city where you can see 2,000 years of civilization in tears. Yes. That's T-I-E-R-S, <laughs> not crying as in tears. Well, if you were an ancient Roman brought back to life 2,000 years later, you probably would be in tears to see what happened to your place. <laughs> but it is, it is amazing. It's like it's a wedding cake of living history, you know, all these layers to it. So when you gaze down from Fourvier Hill, you can see how the districts are so period defined. You can see the medieval district, the Renaissance, the modern day, and it is the Renaissance district, which I actually think is the best of the lot because they've got hundreds and hundreds of passageways threaded through the courtyards of the buildings. And these created a private pedestrian network for the old silk merchants so they didn't have to rub shoulders with the great unwashed when they went out and about um, in town. The French call these passageways traboule. I think every house needs a traboule to the street. And you certainly won't find any bloody e-scooters hurtling down these traboules. Says the person that takes an e-bike everywhere. Right. Doesn't Leon lay claim to the, be the birthplace of film? Big claim it is, mm. but uh, thanks to the Lumineer brothers. They really did put Leon on the map in a, in a more contemporary setting because, yes, they were, uh, Leon was the hometown for the Lumineer brothers who invented the cinematograph. Yes. Yes. Mm. Which is what shot the very first films. And their second great innovation, colour photography. Very nice, mm, as they do every October. Yes, the Lumiere Festival, which has nothing to do with the Lumiere Cinema in Christchurch, <laughs> but it is a Does it really, doesn't it? No, apparently not. Uh. <laughs> but apparently, if you are into all things cinema, this is the festival to go to in the world I'm every October. I'm surprised they haven't sued the Christchurch Cinema for using the name. True. Yeah. There's a stack of great museums in town, but it's hard to beat... The Cinema Museum. Oh, my God, I love this. Hmm. The most exhilarating trove of movie props, which... 
they actually painstakingly restore before displaying. So just to give you an idea of what you can see, mm. Alien Queen from the 80s blockbuster and all of her animatronic glory. I can't say that was my favourite 80s movie, but... Uh, mm. Okay. Mm. Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, Maybe. The original Chucky. Oh, now, now, oh. yeah. Oh, Chucky, that little killer evil, doll. Evil, evil oh, yeah, doll, yes. Chucky. The original Chucky is there. And by the way, mm. I'm sure you've found yourself up at night thinking, whatever happened to the original prosthetic face that transformed Robin Williams into Mrs. Doubtfire? I tell you what, that plagues me <laughs> several times a week. You can find it at the Cinema Museum in Leon. Brilliant. <laughs> Need a feed after that. For gastronomes, let us trawl through some of these standout eateries and tastes you will find here. You will want to have a binge in the Boochins. Of course, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Which are old school family run bistros and they specialise in local gastronomy. Uh, the chicken liver souffle, quite good. Mm. I would even say fabulous. Mm-hmm. Although, I, to be honest, when I found out it was liver I was eating, I don't know how I thought it was so fabulous. Mm. Then there was the donkey snout salad. The what? The donkey snout salad. What? I, what's in the donkey snout salad? <laughs> well, I thought it was just big chunks of ham. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. No, it was very tasty. But once again, when I got the English translation of the menu... <laughs> I felt like chucking. What what was in the donkey snout salad? Well, it was just a very nice salad with your lettuce and your cheese and like square chunks of what I thought was ham. And what were they? It was from the nose of the donkey. Right. Yes. Mm, Poor donkey. But a lot of people actually go to Leon to stuff their faces on their fluorescent red Praline tarts. And there's a few of those around. There were tarts in every trouble I went down. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> but they are really, really good. And yet nothing to worry about, you know, when it comes to what animal did this come from. I did enjoy my time in France. The food, yeah. Mm. Donkey snout salad. That's mm. one to tell your kids about. Stay mm. with us. We are Italy bound next and a swing through Luca back in a bow. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Uh, among the galaxy of great Italian towns, Luca is not your typical medieval town in Tuscany because it's as flat as a pancake, which makes it ideal for exploring on foot. No e-bikes required. Ergo, Michael was there. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, Tuscany can soon tuck you out because most of its medieval towns r- require hauling your carcass up a steep slope. I like the hills and undulations in Toscana. You don't? No, I find it a bit tiring. So you will be in luck in Luca, which is as flat as Ashburton. Well, there you go. (laughs) It's Tuscany's big exception to the topographical rule. So it's situated in a very flat, fertile plain inland from Pisa. So the only calf crunching you will do will be scaling its fantastic medieval wall that encircles the city. Now, we're saying this with the acknowledgement that Suzanne Vega has ruined the name Luca forever Mm. with her 80s song because every time someone hears Luca, Mm. they think she lives on the second floor. Leonardo da Vinci designed that medieval city wall in Luca. Yes, yes, they're very proud of the da Vinci connection. 
Like a big comfort blanket encircling the city, it was designed 500 years ago and it was built to last. Those walls have never been breached. Mm. Originally uh, wrapped around Luca for protection, this is what makes it so cool today. It is like a bonanza for recreation. So you can circumnavigate the old city on top of these wide walls, um, soaking up the elevated views beneath the shady umbrella of giant chestnut trees that were planted in the 19th century. Lovely. Traditions abound in Luca. The locals are fiercely proud of their home and they zealously keep it in absolutely pristine condition. Yes. I actually have a theory that Mm -hmm. Luca is ruled by a huge bunch of hyacinth bouquets (laughs) who crack the whip from dawn to dusk. You won't find any Italian graffiti or manky stray dogs missing an eye here. Oh, no. They won't be welcoming Luca. Within the walls, the old town is a pedestrian haven, very few cars to dodge. Mm -hmm. And for those cool shaded lanes lacing the old city, they haven't changed in centuries. You feel like you've been transported back to 1725. Oh, how lovely. So that great Italian pastime, the nightly passeggiata, very passionately observed in Luca. Oh. You have your dindins. Mm-hmm. You hold someone's hand. Mm-hmm. You go for a wee walkie. <laughs> the whole town seems to come out at night for this. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. They just stroll and chortle across the cobbles, and all of the shops stay open till like 11, 12 o'clock at night. It's nuts. And they love their street processions too. So yes. you'll see all sorts of religious and cultural icons being wheeled through the streets. It's fantastic. Do they have Christmas celebrations in Luca? Oh, where do I start? In a city of 100 churches, you could feel fast churched out, but there are two gems, including Volto and Santo. Yes. Now, the big cathedral, Duomo San Martino, Mm -hmm. this is home to Volto Santo, the holy face, and it is a wooden figure of Christ's face it was carved by a guy called Nicodemus who was present at the crucifixion in Jerusalem. So he was like the court illustrator. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was the paparazzi of... He was. Yeah. He may have, he may have been the world's first. <laughs> Maybe that's why the crucifixion took so long. Hold on, I'm just carving out <laughs> Uh, it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have to say, if I had that in my local church, I'd think, yeah, that's actually quite a draw. Right. Yeah. Okay. The other unmissable. Sorry, is that quite a draw? Was that a bit of a play on? <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I thought you'd be quicker on the uptake on that. <laughs> the other unmissable is San Michel Church, which yes. is in the Roman Forum Piazza. So much money was lavished on the towering facade of marble columns that the dosh ran out to raise the body of the church to reach the same height. <laughs> so, so it looks a bit out of sync. <laughs> but best of all, Archangel Saint Michael. Ah, oh, oh, here we go. He crowns the facade in classically over-the-top Italian fashion. He's got his big retractable wings to withstand the very high winds. Right. Yes. Don't take too much of that on board. Puccini is the pinup boy of Luca. The city's most famous son. Yes. Giacomo Puccini sang in the choir of San Michel Church, adorned with Archangel Michael. And you can visit with his very big wings. And you can visit Puccini's family home, where he grew up, and he purchased 
uh, this home for his parents after he achieved fame as a composer. And there's this stunning bronze statue outside his house of him. Uh, Luca lays on a stack of Puccini concerts throughout the year. If you're heading there over the summer season, they have this massive Puccini music festival. The big operas like Tosca, they're all staged. He is like God in Luca. As much as St. Michael? Well, his wings aren't as big. Right. What foodie finds did you get in Luca? What did you find? (laughs) What did you eat? Well, street food is really where it starts and ends, I think. The locals love kachina, which is Tuscan toast. It's like a flatbread made from chickpeas. So you went all the way to Luca Mm. and you ate toast. Yeah. Great. Very scrummy, very on the go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, to be honest, Luca's biggest calling card is farro bean soup. It's a highly nutritious, wholesome blend of farro, bolotti beans, tomato, lots of herbs, parmesan cheese. And you actually smell it before you see it because there is this aroma (laughs) of farro bean soup all over Luca. Yeah. Puccini apparently lived off the stuff. Yes. Mm. And Luca is very easy to get to. Brilliantly so. So if you are independently getting your way around um, Tuscany, uh, it's just a 20-minute train to Pisa, uh, just over an hour from Florence, Firenze. So it's not just a great destination, but a really good base for tucking into other treats around Tuscany. Lovely. That is it for this edition. Thank you for joining us. Always be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For scintillating travel reading, mm. check out the travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. We would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on wherever you get this podcast. And there are so many options. There's so many places. You could change an option. You can get it from another place next week. And and we'd love that. Choices. Yeah, they're everywhere. Now, mm-hmm. if you would like to sing your praises, or at least our praises, <laughs> <laughs> like Puccini, sing our praises or operatically slag us off, your feedback is very welcome. And we look forward to catching you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time from Andrew and St. Michael. With Archangel. His- With his very big wings. Yeah, that'll do. On that funny-looking church where they (laughs) ran out of money. Take care now. Yeah, over and out. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.